0: Welcome to Piercing the Veil on bbsradio.com, a show for truth-seekers and rebels. Join us every week as we obliterate willful ignorance, corruption, globalist agendas, and more. Tune in every Sunday at 5 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Pacific, and listen carefully as we provide crucial solutions, information awareness, and unique life hacks to improve our planet. Pierce the Veil, and the
1: truth will reveal itself. Alright, greetings world, welcome back to another live episode of Piercing the Veil, and today is Sunday, December 3rd, we are just cruising right along through this year. A lot of big stuff happened last month, towards the end of the month as well. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, QAnon has supposedly moved from 4chan over to 8chan and is posting all his intel drops over there. Uh, there was some discrepancy about the code, uh, the identifier code that he was previously using. There's a space where there shouldn't have been, so people were a little dubious at first, but it seems that he's actually made the switch over there because 4chan had been co-opted by trolls and and bots and things like that. So if you want to stay up to date on the, on the latest in the purges and the 5,000 sealed indictments uh, across federal courts that uh, started in all the key hotspots, a.k.a. Dallas, Texas, uh, Chicago, Illinois, uh, I believe Arkansas as well for the Clintons, and then Washington, D.C., and some other related things. So if you want to follow the updates on the indictments and some stuff like that, and some very cryptic stuff that's happening being released right now, definitely recommend that you go follow uh, QAnon on on 8chan instead of 4chan now. Uh, So that's basically what's happening now. We've got a few uh, current event things that I think I may have touched a little bit on uh, previously. There's some major, major steps being taken in the United States and around the world to to rid us of these entrenched rats, if you will. And so there's the uh, mysterious booms. A lot of people say, "Oh, it's Earth changes and ascension and blah blah blah." It's like, I think that would be much more pronounced. You, it would be much more frequent, and it would be much more up in your face. It was if it was an actual any type of Earth change or natural transition, if you will. Uh, what I am inclined to believe is that uh, most of the dumps that hadn't been taken care of, or new dumps that have been built, uh, deep underground military bases, dumb. Most of those things, uh, these, these guys tried to run off planet, they got shot down, they tried to go underground, they're being hunted down right now, and so therefore I believe the booms that you're hearing uh, are related to that type of, uh, I wouldn't call it black ops, black ops, but white hat activity, if you will. Again, it's all speculation, uh, but there are some major information sources that have been ver- verified and very credible that are bringing out some, some basic constructs that show or some basic principles and concepts that are being proven that show that we are actually ascending into a higher frame of vibration. Um, our consciousness needs to be able to expand and accept new ideas and realities because science and hidden technology is, is life. and in civil away and ahead of what we really think that we have right now. Uh, you can thank all the... ...chimera group for that. Right now, just follow uh, Q QAnon on this a really good source of information obviously discern for yourself and take guard the rest for your own uh, reality if you will uh, what's useful to you and uh, that's about it uh, we have a special guest today and a returning guest our special guest is dr. John Engbeck and a returning guest Carrie who caught the last portion of the show uh, broadcast last week, I believe on the 26th, okay? Uh, as far as Dr. John Engbeck goes, I'm really excited to have him on the show. Uh, he made his time available to us at last minute, last uh, very short notice, so we were appreciative of that. And uh, he's an extremely talented man, He's trained in government re- remote viewing, uh, apparently by the originator, you know, not, not the originator, but an original member of the remote viewing program, uh, I think Men Who Stare at Goats was a, a very entertaining counterintelligence cover, a release for that program. you know. So if you've ever seen the movie Men Who Stare, uh, Stare at Goats, uh, there's always some truth mixed in with lies. But he's going to put all the misconceptions to rest. He's going to tell us a little bit about his time as a remote viewer later in the show, uh, and basically how to do it right and things like that. And we'll leave that up to him. Um, now, before we get started with that, we're also going to speak to him about his time as a criminologist. Uh, and I believe he's written a book. He's an author, uh, Dynamics of police organizational change that's something i'm really interested in because i've been studying the psychology of police judges prosecutors uh and, and courts and overall the american jurisprudence system jurisprudence system i should say for about a decade now i've had first hand experiences i've had third party experiences where i've witnessed things go down oh, that sounded bad <laughs> go down in the presence of other people i've i've been carried away horrors on sideways like Superman, by instance, I was contracting with the judge on a case that he was being really shitty on me uh, with, and uh, you know, I got myself out of jail six hours later with no contempt. So I've been through the ringer, I've seen other people get put through the ringer, and I'm very excited to see somebody who studied the other side of things, um, not only, you know, evaluating crim- criminals and criminal behavior, but also how it is actually adjudicated In the core systems and what money has to do with that money as a motivator for core businesses, which are basically banks. So I know that's a lot to get through. Uh, That's basically our current events, our intro to our guest. And also we have Carrie. uh, uh, We're not going to use her last name out of her request, but we'll just call her uh, she that exists. Out of, uh, out of respect for her wishes, and she's going to maybe get into some of the details uh, that she had spoke about last time regarding uh, some court cases and some other things that she's dealing with. So with no further ado, <laughs> after all that, thank you for your patience, Dr. John Ingbeck. We're going to call you John as per your request, and welcome Carrie to the show. Welcome both of you. Uh, Carrie, before we get started with you, let's have John go ahead and give us and our listeners a brief background, maybe correct some of the things I might have got wrong and share some latest projects, books, promotional materials, and things like that. We want to get your your name and your word out there right off the bat. So thank you very much, John. Welcome to the show. And how can we uh, we enlighten the viewers' listeners' minds?
2: (laughs) Well, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, So um, a little bit about me. Um, I've got about nearly 40 years in security and law enforcement as the base of my career. As I ascended in that career, I was exposed to a lot of, uh, shall we say, uh, unordinary things and uh, developed a point of view uh, such that I was open um, to, to uh, discovering things on a deeper level. And so then I went and got the Ph.D. during that course of that research, I learned techniques for learning to enhance and accelerate my, my learning capability. But as I got uh, pretty far into the industry... I, I determined it for myself. It was based on a third dimensional premise, um, and that the, the science of it was pseudo. In other words, it was symptomatic, much like perhaps our Western medical treat symptoms and not causes. <laughs> we were trained in like our doctoral science. research. Sure. And so we were trained in our doctoral research to go to cause. And I said, Guys, this is not the cause. And they we said, Well, what is the cause, John? And that's when we got into the <laughs> spiritual problem. <path>. Yeah. <laughs> So I took these learning skills in this, uh, you know, many many years where we used, you know, we used in this kind of security work we did and the type of things we did, we used a lot of uh, things that you wouldn't, you know, ordinarily attribute to military or special operations using that are quite metaphysical. But uh, so I was always aware, but then I took this, you know, tenacity for learning and these uh, learning skills from the PhD chase and, and took the research in the spiritual for the last uh, 15 years or so. Wow.
1: And that's that's difficult. It's difficult in itself to attain a PhD, right? I'm not speaking from experience, but I uh, I know people who have them, and I've you know seen their dissertations and all their works over the years and their failures and their successes. But for somebody like yourself to be spiritually awakened or at least tapped in, which it sounds like you were during that ascension or rise to uh, knowledge, if you will, for somebody to be tapped in like that and expansive and aware and to be closed off in the dogma, which we call Western science uh, – you know, which is totally closed loop, totally feeds upon itself. It's all about money and funding and ostracization of people, anyone who challenges the status quo. For someone like you to rise through what you did and acquire the skills that you did in that environment, I believe is just a miracle in itself. So I applaud you for that, and I'd like to hear more, and I'm sure listeners would like to hear more about uh, some of the things you encountered maybe. Oh, did we lose you? Oh, I'm Hello? sorry. Can
2: you hear me now? Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Can you hear me now?
1: Oh, I can. I apologize. It's probably, it's probably me going in and out. To, no, no. I can't, yes. I
2: think I... Yeah, I still had the mute uh, button, yeah. So, um,
1: oh. <laughs> it, you know,
2: what happened was that, you know, I took a very, very deep research into everything, uh, all the, you know, paradigms of uh, spirituality across religions, across all kinds of research, to physics, metaphysics, and on and on. And I you know, kind of came to the same conclusion over and over again about uh as mentioned enlightenment illumination uh, call it what you will um you know, and so that's you know generally the way I look at things at this point um uh, as opposed to you know as opposed to the tools of the of the science uh, obstructing the view that you know it is what it is,
1: yeah, that's true. <laughs> I say that with a lot of things. It is what it is. You must adapt and overcome if you ever want to continue on a a, a near straight line path. So uh, it seems like you did that and you branched out from uh, where you were in the criminology field and, and things like that. So uh, let's see here. I mean I really – I wanted to devote some time to the court stuff, but I'm so excited to hear you talk about the remote viewing um, but uh, you know, let's, let's get into it. Um, I've seen some pretty shitty stuff. Uh, I've seen some, some energies that are ingrained in society, if you will, that promote or exacerbate the prevalence or frequency of criminal behaviors, um, and I, I also see that nine times out of ten a primary motivating factor or state of mind involves some sort of uh, opportunity to acquire quick money. Or need to pay some bill, or need to pay something down. A lot of crime is done to pay the mortgage at the end of the day, or to pay yourself out of a, a greed need for money, uh, over you know, of the damage or injury of somebody else. And then you know, also that it involves physical harm and injury as well. And you get into the you know some of the horrible crimes. But as a, on a, on a whole, as a society, have you noticed? Uh, I mean, you've been doing this for what you said, nearly forty years, so. Surely you've noticed what what we're seeing is this like de- con- intentional deconstruction of values of moral, uh, of moral compass of even like a sense of personal self responsibility or responsibility or care for others. That's what I've seen in my you know my short. 15 20 years of you know having my eyes open my ears to the ground on this stuff in society what about you dr or john Uh, what would you say is the biggest thing that stood out to you over the past 30 years that you've seen changing Uh, whether that be in criminal behavior of the population or in the criminal justice system itself something maybe some scary things that we're moving towards i know there's a lot to talk about but maybe some things that come to mind for you
2: Well, yes, Um, you know, I just think that in all things uh, that we typically get things coming to a head, if you will, in collision uh, and emergence. And so whenever you'll find, uh, you know, uh, um, aspects of something detrimental or ominous, um, you'll find a solution is also present there or the the opposite. And so that's the way, you know, I think the wiser we get, the more we learn to look at things in context and the bigger that context can get. So that you know, um, you know, we're looking at a very, very broad view of things. Um, so um, you know, as much as uh, there's been trauma, there's also been eruptions that are emerging to the change, which is mm. always present and possible. So, um, and in that, I'm not you know wearing rose-colored glasses, but I do see the light, <laughs> if
1: you will. <laughs> you know? Okay. In Interesting. Things, Okay, well, thank you for that. I I want to bring Carrie in real quick and see what she has to say about all this, and then we might sort of segue into a little bit about her story, and you can join on that. And then when we're done with that, we'll jump right to your expertise in remote viewing. I'll let you run with the ball on that anywhere you want to take it, uh, and we'll prompt you to do so when the time time is right. Uh, Yeah, so Corey, come on in and tell us about uh, what you think about what we've been speaking on and maybe some of your thoughts, feelings, or personal experiences in the court system. And some ideas for, like, how we can make a change. I know, you know, there's airy, fairy, pie-in-the-sky stuff that we can do. But, like, and there's organizational groups that are, you know, oh, we protest corruption and all that stuff. But what about some real, actual educational change where we empower enough people in a way that they are not fuck-withable? in this criminal judicial system because it is a corporate uh, money bank. That's all it is. And, you know, that's a, a topic for a whole nother show. Uh, but my research and everything shows that all the traffic tickets, all the criminal charges, everything, they have financial bonds that are being floated in the background uh, through the GSA program. So they use the GSA 28 uh, and the, what is it? Sure. Pretty. Uh, affidavit and everything, essentially naming you as a government contractor and a bidding on the amount of time that you're going to be in jail. And those things get pulled together through the National District Court of Ohio Administrative Office. And from there, then they get reinsured through federal bank reinsurance agencies. And those agencies then lend those on special access trading per, uh, platforms, if you will, to certain elite investors. And the Chinese and Rothschilds and all these families are the ones that are buying up all the criminal bonds. So essentially what's running the payments of the interest on the national debt is people being locked up in traffic tickets in the background. And on the forefront, these guys run their cities and their townships and their counties and their states and their courts and their this with the money. But in the CAFRs and in the in the uh, financial paperwork for every case in the background, I have seen actual documentation that shows myself Uh, proof that this is all financial. So that being said, me laying the foundation of there's money motivation, money motivation, money motivation in these courts to screw people over and they're not following their own damn rules. Now let's jump over to Carrie and why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've been going through in the courts there in Denver and anything else that you want to speak on and then we'll move on to John and remote viewing.
0: Thank you, Jordan. (laughs) Well, I first want to share that It's a real honor to be able to be sharing with uh, you both today and Dr. Umbeck, my ontologist and my metaphysician and the parts of me that have been studying a criminal mind and uh, (laughs) said for some time now, uh, this is actually a very special present moment for me because I've been wanting to speak to a criminologist about my experiences in my life, both um, with uh, my former husband, um, who I have had to work with in the past with criminal uh, stuff regarding my daughter, as well as in these Denver uh, courts. And uh, so I guess I'll begin with the... Denver County and uh, their courts. And first, I feel the most important thing that I can share as a mother and as a woman and as a spiritual teacher and one that is deeply feeling is that human rights are all but extinguished. And I feel that the most important thing that I can share, as you mentioned, Jordan, is awareness and you ask for something practical and it is just to awaken to the sacredness of life and to pay attention to what is going on and to seek to seek people and wisdom teachers such as you or dr john or myself who can share these realities of, of life and existence and as you mentioned there are some people who think like over oh, we're ascending or we're being lifted off this planet no we are, we are here <laughs> for this time and, and awareness is, is probably the most important thing that I can share and that is my experiences and I can say that in my two and a half days that I was held against my will. Um, being innocent and being falsely charged and falsely arrested. Um, I I had someone immediately, um, my friend and my housemate, call Jordan, and they still were not even able to get me out for two and a half days. And I have been recovering from previous health conditions. And I can say that any much longer than that, I'm not really sure... How much more I would have lasted because there is no health care in that system and the, the treatment of people is not even humane and there are many times that I have just wanted to write an inside report as an independent journalist that I am and and the way that I was treated I was I was almost even too fearful to put my truth out there and to share the story. There, there was a woman that I met who shared with me how the police murdered her baby, that in her arrest she was pregnant and they threw her like on top of a parking curb and that she lost her baby in, in jail and that they did not even get her medical attention. And women can lose their life for that. And so I feel that that's really important to share because there are a lot of mothers and fathers that are just going around unaware. And what what they need to know is that this can happen to anybody. This can happen to them, their children. And um, I was even completely fearful to um, even put in a medical request if I had one because when I was speaking to the nurse, Jordan had advised me, not to speak and just to stay mute and when I responded to the nurse that I wanted to remain mute and not speak, she threatened to strip my clothes off of me right there in that spot and then march me to some, somewhere in front of people naked, put me on top of a hole inside the dark with a spotlight on me, filming me while I peed and pooped in a hole and I had never even heard a statement like that in my whole entire life, and I didn't even know that it was okay to even speak to anybody like that. And so we don't need to be concerned with how we're, like, treating people and other prisoners of war, because in my mind, like, America has been at war for 200 years of, it's 220 years of existence, and we are prisoners of war, and don't even know it, because (laughs) I've never experienced treatment like that. It was the furthest from humane. So human rights, just basic to wake up to that how practical is that
1: yeah that i mean what you're describing is like just a snippet if people think that's bad that's like just a snippet of what people yeah. go through in there um, but uh, myself i've undergone torture at the behest of these douchebag wannabe officers that call their detention officers they're basically minimum wage goons that are hired for their psychotic uh, you know, levels, you know, oh, you're psychotic. OK, great. Perfect guy for the job. Go treat these people like cattle all day, every day, in and out for years and we'll pay you. Uh, it's a really sick thing. You know, in the actual case precedence in the case law over the past 60 years in criminal code, you just there's just no escape. There is no room for justice. There's no room for innocence. There's no innocent until proven guilty. It is at all costs, at all times, you must prove your innocence. And even when you show them proof of your innocence, they have all these different abilities, tricks, and things that they can do to keep you from winning your case. And then they get the money and you go to jail. And that's like instructing the jury not to hear this or to strike that or this. You know, there's all these different things that are not correct uh, as per the original way that our country was set up prior to 1933 uh, before, you know, all the switch over from equity, pure equity, to uh, law. You know, they merged the two, which is supposedly uh, morally impossible. Anyways, uh, and you won't find that in law books. Attorneys are incompetent to it. The judge, most most judges are incompetent to it, but you will find a few who know what the old equity is, and so when you try to do some of the processes that I'm doing, they'll test the shit out of you, and part of their test is to just throw you in jail for a couple days and see what you do. You know, and on my past shows, I've described some of my experiences where I basically fucked with them back. I was the one who was the psychological tormentor. I was using psychological warfare against them because that's what they were using, that was the only tool I had available to me. And because I did that, they let me go and they knew I wasn't going to stop. They let me go. Uh, so that's in past shows, but I wanted to bring the point up that it's total criminality in these courts. They willingly and wantonly, for the love of money and for bonuses and sometimes just being paid off, sometimes the judges are just being paid off, that often happens in bank cases where you're fighting a foreclosure uh, and you've got a good case on it where they've committed fraud, they're trying to hide it. Essentially what I'm trying to tell you, Carrie, is it's just a small bag of potatoes and a whole truck full of shit. Uh, that they're carrying to and fro every single day and they're running people over on their way. You know, They just run people over, chew them up, spit them out. All it is is money and IDs and fingerprints and photos to them, collateral. That's all they're doing is taking collateral for their accounts. And you know, the guys on the bottom don't, don't know what's going on. It's all you need-to-know, need compartmentalized, very uh, workable situation. Only the guys at the top know what's really going down the creditors of america if you will. So that's my take on the criminal system there and I wanted to say that Denver uh, is one of the worst places I've ever seen. Colorado is a known human rights abuser and has remained one of the top states of human rights rights abusers uh, besides Alabama I believe uh, in the nation and that's remained for uh, you know correct me if i'm wrong Dr. Imbeck but i believe that's remained for you know a good 20 30 years. I have friends who are 60 years old who were fighting, you know, federal charges and ran into corruption and stuff like that. So it's all it's all crap. It's all gone to shit. We literally have kangaroo third third world, you know, kangaroo courts in this country, and I don't think anybody's really paying attention to it. Uh, it, it literally is that, and and the the ability for these agencies or the state if you want to call it that, or the feds, to get what they want at any time without following the, their rules. Well, even attorneys are running into shit, but they don't even run into the shit that the pro se parties run into because of pro se bias and the judge knows they can do whatever the fuck they want to this person. It, it gets really nasty. Okay. So thank you for sharing. I wanted to elucidate on that, which I did. I've got off my soapbox now. Uh, and then John, what what do you have to say about that? Maybe give us some some of your points and then we can move on into remote viewing and talk about that.
2: Well, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I think when you talk about the criminal justice system, you're talking about a manifestation of the lower third dimension and uh, how many, how many Masons and Native American scholars and so forth and people got together and were well intended in the uh, constitution. Uh, it is what it is. And so, uh, but you know the thing. I think the thing is, is that you know for professionals, uh, unless they're attorneys and so forth, or related to the you know the court system, the the entire area is 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 something to be avoided. You know, in my you right. know, so the way I operate, and you know people that I operate with wouldn't have a lot of court issues following them in any which way. You know, when that you know either yes, you know they wouldn't be involved in a in a lawsuit, they wouldn't be involved in a, in a criminal action because. It would just be too much baggage, uh, and so you know, you know, so I I get to kind of avoid that level, uh, personally, <laughs> as far as uh, you know the way I operate and the and the and the research that I do. But I mean, again, it's it's based on a duality, and you know, it's just a manifestation of the duality, uh, you know, and so we talk about it being corrupted. But let's go back to its origin, you know, the origin is duality, and so that's you know, yes, that's what we're working with it, but it, you know, to, in my view. I would just assume, call it what it is,
1: you know? Yeah, um, no, and it, that's, that's I, I, I really love how you bring the energy into it, because yes, there is an energetics pervading it, as everything else in life, and this is oriented to a certain direction, which we would call negative. Uh, the origins of courts were actually from the temple bars in London, and then also the admiralty that's being applied in courts was done on docks. Uh, so when the ship would dock to the land, there would be a jurisdictional nexus, and therefore, they could adjudicate criminals, and they preferred to do it on ships instead of on land because the criminals had less rights and they had more powers. And so now, what you've seen is because the high water mark was once, in, uh, you know, in the middle of the Rockies, the water was covering the land at one point. At the same time, they say, oh, this land had water covering it at some point. So Admiralty and the, the law of the sea extends throughout the course riverways and everything and tributaries and all of it across the nation. So that's the first presumption. The second presumption is that somehow this land that's existed for billions of years, somehow their constitution, which is a written document, and or their codes, which are written documents that were only written a couple hundred years ago, somehow those codes and that constitution applies to you and your body just because of your geographical location. Just because your feet are on this soil, right, somehow the codes magically apply to you, and they never have to prove the element of causation or jurisdiction, uh, they just automatically say it's a pure issue of law, and you know. But then you have to ask them, where are the facts that it's a pure issue of law? Show me the precedents, and they can't, because it's all a big dog and pony show. So I, I like the the fact that you brought up uh, the framers of the Constitution's being Masons, but well intended, because there's a lot of dichotomy about that. Oh, the framers were Masons; it was a conspiracy. Oh, the framers were Masons. You know, blah blah blah. It's like, well, no. A lot of them were, and back then the masonry had not been co-opted. If you go and you look into the uh, records, the monarchies around the world were warning about the the Illuminati, or the organization calling itself the Illuminati, which had been actively infiltrating the Masonic lodges. You know, and there's like there's documentary proof from the 1700s of that. And I've seen defense lawyers and judges communicating back and forth with Masonic rings on and tapping. I even mentioned to the judge I was like, Oh, that's a nice ring you got there. You know what I mean? And you know, and he had like a two-ball cane thing or something. I think it was a pendant or something on his so he was pretty high up. He was like a thirty-two thirty-second, something like that. So I like how you incorporated the energy. I also like how you incorporated the you know, dropping that little nugget about the masonry. And I do agree with you that you must address it for what it is, which is a duality. But at the end of the day, my belief, just my opinion, right? Nobody else's, just my opinion. I believe that nature presents is consistent of dualities because it's all a triune. It's all the conscious observer or the perspective of the conscious observer fits into the third space and makes a, a, a triangle or a, a third element of the duality. So without that conscious observance of the duality, the duality is just a part of a whole that really can't sustain or stand on its own one leg. So I, yes, I see duality in everything, and, and merging that duality into a workable situation with your perspective that allows you to rise to a higher level in your overall goal as a, as a galactic being or soul or whatever, I believe that's the ultimate goal, and also to attain psychic skills on while you're still in the body, so that when you leave the body or get forced out during a transition, which we call death, that you don't run into all the bullshit harassment and technology and fake karmic loops and arconic manipulation stuff that I've actually personally run into in my near-death experiences. So I know our listeners would know that I always go on for like a minute to explain a point, but I like to get as much information from different realms condensed into something as possible uh, when I can. So thank you for, uh, for listening and, you know, obliging me on that. And I, I want to jump it back over to Carrie, and then as soon as we're done with Carrie, we'll go right into remote viewing, or if you want wanted to make a counterpoint or the, uh, a response point, we can do that as well, John. So let's jump over to Carrie first, we'll get back to John, and we'll go from there.
0: Thank you, Jordan, for that. I just want to share as a woman and as a mother and just who I am in the deepest spaces of my heart that not only loves my own life and lives my own life as sacred, but also one that knows and sees that all of life is sacred, that I do not consider myself as one with baggage. As Dr. John Inbeck mentioned, I see myself as someone who has the honor and has had the privilege to go into these systems and places where there are real human beings with feelings and hearts and souls. And so those are not places in general that I stay away from, if I'm called by a higher source or a higher love to go into those spaces, I will do so. And so I just want to share that from my heart space that I do not see myself in any way is what he mentioned, because he says he tends to stay away from that. And so I'm speaking as a woman and as a mother, and I needed to share my voice with that. And other than that, I'm just really grateful for this opportunity to voice because I have lived in fear for so long. And I have stayed in hiding in my life for close to two years now. And uh, so I've been clearing trauma, and there are times where I did not know if I was going to even remain alive just because of all the attacks and what I had been through, as you mentioned, Jordan, after you had your near-death experience. I have similar stories as well. And so I just wanted to share that and just say that I'm grateful and that this has been a wonderful, wonderful conversation that I'm just happy to be a part of.
1: Well, thank you for that, Carrie. I I like your perspective. And I would say this. I I always try to bring things together and either compare them or join them, and sometimes both can happen. Uh, His statement was accurate for him. And for most people, and for on his level and most people on that level, they don't have to deal with that realm of things. It's, it's accurate. I love it. Your statement is also accurate for where you're at and what you're doing. Um, and so, again, uh, in our past shows, we've always said the universe is everything, something and nothing, all at once. All possibilities, no possibilities, some possibilities. So for two people to be involving their experience together – they can have the same intent and come out with different results they can have the same intent and come out with the same results they can have the same intent and come out with no results or they can take two separate sides or two two opposing or you know diametrically opposed positions and at the end of their experience those positions will convalesce back into each other with different uh, connection points and things like that, and, and facts and circumstance that tie the two together, it, it's just a, a ca- the causal nature of the universe is to split things and bring them back together, right? And what you're perceiving as a duality is just in transition. Again, just my opinion. It's my experience personally uh, through psychedelics and you know a near-death experience. Basically, every single year of my fucking life until I was thirty. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I'm not an expert. But I have corrobor- corroborated some of the things that I've experienced with some other people with near death um, and things like that. So what happens outside the body flows into our physical reality and, and vice versa. Our physical reality has a causal link that flows in to uh, you know immateriality or you know the ether or soul or higher vibrational levels or dimensions, whatever you want to call it. And what that ratio is, I don't really know. Uh, you know that's speculation just like this is speculation. On some parts. But my point is this. You are living in a reality, Kerry, where you're in the courts. He is living in a reality where him and his circle don't ever have to deal with that. But you're both accomplishing very powerful things. And now you're both here on the show talking about bringing up your own valuable points where people can put together a whole picture of it and we can move forward and fix this shit. You know, and that might, you know, I might be people, go, oh, Jordan, you're reaching. Well, no, I'm not reaching because these things happen all the time. When somebody has this view that's opposing to this person's view. If you really look at the long term uh, perspective or context of what's what could happen or what is happening or, you know, whatever, you will notice a, a, a coalescence or, you know, something coming together. Connection points that, or, or correlation points, if you will, even of the most diametrically opposed concepts, you'll still see that, and that's just the underlying framework of the of the universe. So, going all the way down that road to come back around and tell you you're both right. <laughs> Uh, now let's jump over to John, and he'll, you know, if you want to uh, respond to any of that stuff, John, please feel free to bring up your counterpoints. And uh, if not, then let's jump right into remote viewing and let's get this party started on that topic.
2: Okay, very good. Well, you know, I think um, I don't think there's as much divergence <laughs> uh, between us uh, in reality. Um, you know, it's uh, probably the same team, just a different uh, approach. And, uh, yeah, I was just making
1: an example. Yeah, two sides yeah, of the same yeah. coin, essentially.
2: Yeah, yeah, the same, you know, same side, which you know would be, you know, light and goodness and justice and so forth. So uh, there it is. There's the coalesce point. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. So Dod. So Ed Dames is a, is a is a consummate professional. Now I believe he stopped teaching, and he has a couple of guys I believe he he refers people to, who are his like ten or fifteen year students. Uh, but his was a program that you know was allowed to be publicly disclosed, uh, and <clears throat> did some things, quite a few of which are very secret, you know, above top secret, but they aren't um, of the of the of the darkest CIA ilk. So he was DOD, and so you know they did some counter espionage stuff, but it wasn't uh, you know pursuant to hits, if you will. But- so. Yeah, that's, John, that's real scary. quick, I apologize
1: yeah. for interrupting. I just wanted to tie something back in. Uh, the Army field manuals going back to the 70s and 60s, I think if you look in there, it actually shows that there is a arm of the DOD, an administrative office that controls uh, the American Bar Association, the regulations, rules, policies, procedures, which then flow down into the courts and procedures of the courts. So again, the you know, I think it's pretty interesting. That those two things tie back together. So I just wanted to drop that little nugget, and I apologize for interrupting. Please continue, and let's get into that.
0: <laughs> Where
2: were we? Um, Refresh
1: my memory. Okay. Okay. So I think you were you were just you were saying that he doesn't teach anymore. There's a few people that do teach. Oh, and yeah. he was there's a lot of top yeah. secret stuff that he was getting into, except it's not really of the darker portion of the uh, dark ops like right. the CIA. Yeah, stuff like that.
2: Excellent, yeah. So the work he does, and now he's going to just save people's lives. So in his retirement, he continues his remote viewing. He's closed to school, and he's doing, uh, like, when children get lost or, you know, people, somebody's been kidnapped, and he's just kind of giving that to the marshals and giving that to the criminal justice system. Uh, nice. You know, and so that's how he's finishing up. And so, you know, and uh, so that level and the way he does it, he's, he's using remote viewing to the morphic field which means that you're viewing things remotely from the common area, if you will. Like when you're walking around an apartment complex, there's a bunch that's of areas right. where people, everybody walks called the common area, right? And, and so that's what he's doing. And there's, there's, no, there's nothing really wrong with that. It's pursuant to us evolving to the fact that, you know, eventually everybody kind of really has the full access to the ether and the akasha and everything, so they aren't really in uh, secrets. But at this point... Um, you know uh... It, it's you you know he, it it's progress um, and they have a high degree of actually they've done some wonderful things uh... so i have nothing but good, nothing but good things to say about Ed dames and his uh... programs and experience on the other hand uh... we not i don't follow you know that we are a population that has its ethics together to move into the fourth dimension in general so he's a very ethical person for example uh, and is probably somewhat of uh, you know an outcast in that in that regard um, and you know yeah. an outlier as a, as a, as a, you know as a data chip um, And so you know there's been a bunch of uses of the force uh, you know, lower fourth dimension such as types of remote viewing for example that are looking and they're using the consciousness of other people and uh, so this gets back to a whole other realm that's very dark We won't get into that I'll just say that, all of this stuff is available to us once we, uh, you know, ascend out of the amygdala. The more, less time, you know, that we spend emotionally, you know, uh, inhabited by our amygdala, uh, the more chance we get and more opportunity to, you know, see things on another level, which changes them, And there's a the change. So, uh, huh. you know, you forgive me, but, you know, that's also pursuant, you know, to my view of the Noah sphere. As we as a measure at HeartMath, um, which is actually, you know, if you, you know, the newest, you know, science would show that that is our collective uh, intention. Trapped in a carrier wave around the Earth, and so what we're putting out emotionally is recycling back. Of course. And so, uh, yeah, and so, you know, we, that's the manifestation we're in currently.
1: Yeah, and there's there's been people for, you know, some people say a whole cycle, 26,000 years. I say for millions of years, there's entities or certain races that have basically laid a de facto claim onto the planet, which is why we see all this negative stuff. And I believe uh, that they have been harnessing the natural and or um, frequency feedback loops that are available on this planet. And they've been jumping in and interjecting and feeding and also, you know, injecting fear and things like that. We you know, that's a dark road. We could go down a whole nother three shows and he gets into pedophilia and the ninth ritual or ninth circle ritual killings and governments and all that shit. But um, I like I like that you mentioned that Ed Dames is using the remaining time wisely by just going back into his own private, you know authority. You know, he's like, I will use this this is my ability that I've acquired that everybody has, but I've done the work, I've merited the reward ethically of being able to walk about freely in these higher realms if so to speak because i'm ethically and my and emotionally sound and out of like you said out of the amygdala um i've i've moved the major processing center uh, energy center of my brain into the proper zones in order for that my physical matter can then assimilate or raise a half step or whatever uh thereby you know extending my range and allowing me to go in there with ease when other people would be bumbling around and you know it'd be blurry and the you know, all sorts of other problems that I'm sure first timers run into. So I think that it's not only the learning of the skill and correct me if I'm wrong, this is just me presupposing. I suppose that it's not just the technical aspects, because you mentioned that he has a technical procedure, something that's very consistent, repeatable, you know, uh, scalable. I, I think it's also the the level of ethics and I use the word ethics, but morality, uh, spirituality, level of soul awareness, consciousness of the person that really allows them to to use the range of their abilities. Um, you know you might be able to remote view here remote view there but who knows ed dames might not be telling anybody that he can remote view into you know you know to go see source or to go see some of the most advanced civilizations you know in central you know galaxies and stuff like that this guy could probably go anywhere you know i know that everybody says remote viewing you know you can go anywhere in the universe and look at anything that you want but that takes power and range and skill and i believe that some of those abilities are shall we say restricted by your level Spiritually, like we just talked about. Can you confirm or deny that, or maybe expound upon that, or correct me if I'm wrong, or anything like that?
2: Well, I don't think, you, I don't think you're wrong, and I don't think anybody's wrong. Everybody's in their own evolution. Um, but basically, you know, the process uh, of, you know, activating the Merkaba and becoming a heart-centered being, uh, using prana, breath, and so forth, opens up those realms, um, you know, and you don't need the, the, the kind of technologies that he has and that others have developed. Um, you know, and you don't need the technologies, you have them. Uh, and so it's about getting in your heart and getting your heart clear and you're, you being well and integrated. And then you have those skills anyway. So, um, you know, and, and the thing, you know, again, is that, you know, coincidentally, we really, you know, you won't make it until the heart is clear. You natural know, so right. things we have to take care
1: of ourselves uh, so it's you a know, given you know it was a waste I didn't mean to waste your time so it was a given you know I know everybody had it in, inherently but yeah. You know, so you've got to move into the heart space and and others are using the pranayana uh, breathing techniques and other te- meditative techniques I assume to get there I, that's that's the
2: way I see it yes sir yeah. because that's Fine. where you're gonna have you right. well, have your, your your next era of ethics. And the next era of morals that are written on a different, you know, on a more truer code, you know, you know, have to do with how it feels in terms of what's knowing what justice is more so knowing. than what, you know, yeah.
1: That's right. Yeah, there's a whole big difference between knowing and thinking. And knowing just happens. Knowing just is. Knowing just is what it is. So, so yeah, that's so, that's amazing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Excellent.
1: Okay. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just gonna ask you. Uh, so you said he has some technical techniques. I'm sure that's a whole show in itself, but you've also mentioned that the the base of it, the essential, I guess, basic skill that we need, we already have, which is moving into the heart. So uh, a lot of us that are listening to the show are open-minded, moving into the heart, uh, practicing that on a daily basis, um, being being that on a daily basis, I should say. We should find it pretty easy then to have at least a little bit of access to these abilities. And I think I know that to be true myself because I fumbled around with remote viewing, did you know the little parlor tricks with the sealed paper in the envelope and all that jazz. Um, and it works. <laughs> you know, I, I was fumbling around for it, but it, it worked. So what's your experience, John?
2: Well, you know, I think any of the things that we manifest, if we are manifesting from the mind, okay, uh, from the brain mind, it's going to be necessarily limited to a, a duality outcome. And uh, and so, you know, then if we can be in the heart space and create from the heart space, we'll have different values. There'll be different things that will be our objective and um, that will be based in the belief system that the mind has, has uh, cultivated and the collective mind has cultivated, which is where we're at. You know, um, and so, uh, but by the time we are in the heart space, you know, there's just things that, you know, that we know, and uh, so, you know, that's that's the you know really the primary objective, and one, you know, one feeds the other because, you know, we aren't always going to know exactly how other feels, okay, because we don't want to invade them. There's there's boundaries and energetic boundaries, but we're always going to uh, consider other in all things
1: and uh, that just isn't the norm right now. You know? Of course so that's, not. That's, yeah. And it's gotten that's the point. The control system and structure I've said many times on the show is designed to get you out of your heart, away from your heart, away from your power because the heart and the love is the connection to the one, to the power, to the substructures, to the skeletons of the of the universe to the uh, to the higher bodies, the many different bodies that you have in many different layers, you know. It's that is the key, that is the pervasive energy and you know when they measured the hard energy on the scale they kept going miles and miles and miles they could still find it still find it still find it they just stopped measuring they figured it goes on infinitely which it does um and i'll say that that's the control control structure is not necessarily about gmos vaccines fluoridation and all that stuff it's about what that does as a whole for a long long time to our species we've been we've been set back hundreds of thousands of years if not millions of years intentionally that's my opinion so There's going to be a lot of work that has to be done in order to get where you're talking about, John. But I believe that it's already happening. We're very close because of the work that others have put in foundationally for years and years and years. And, you know, obviously, if you've got a little bit of wealth together that you're making from this cryptocurrency or whatever else you've got going on, books or things like that, you should probably take a look at maybe starting your own school or starting your own space where people can do their own learning and things like that. Um, So... I would say this: what it, what you're describing to me, it sounds like you, it's basically an intuitive process where you got to get in the right zone first, which is the meditative zone in the heart space, and then does it does the not the mind, but does the the knowing the self does it sort of just guide the mind through the process of remote viewing then, and it just sort of happens differently for you every time, or would you describe to us for our listeners maybe? Uh, a general process that you might go through from time to time. I know you probably do it differently, or perhaps you do it the same every time. Can you uh, expound on on that a little bit, and then we'll talk to Carrie, and then we'll come back to you.
2: Yeah, sure. So, you know, I mean, I just think, you know, it depends on your objective. What is your intention? And, um, you know, whereas, you know, the majority of intentions, even the good ones, such as uh, the ones that Ed has, you know, uh, finding lost children, et cetera, um, you know, are still, uh, mental. And so what I'm saying is by the time we're in the heart space, there's a completely different perspective. And some of the things that you would do in the, from the third dimensional mind, uh, you just wouldn't do. You just, you'd already know the answer being in the heart space. 5,000 times the consciousness, right? We've measured that. So that's yes. what, you know, what I'm getting at there,
1: um, yes, I do. is
2: that, uh, yeah, there's, yeah, so it just creates a different, uh, uh, There's a lot of ways to remote view, and there's a lot of things that are called remote viewing. Uh, From my experience, uh, for example, um, a friend of mine that was former CIA and DOD uh, was a remote viewer, but was also a shapeshifter, uh, um, you know, a Native American shapeshifter, Mm -hmm. and so they melded those. um, And uh, so, I mean, that realm goes on and on, but again, I kind of put the fence post and said, look, this is a realm you have to develop yourself and your heart connection so that you can bring enough light so that you can have an idea of what you're doing in this realm, and then you'll be able to navigate it. But until then, you know, I'm kind of like, no, we, we really don't belong there, you know, because everybody who gets there does a Darth Vader, you know, and so that's polluted <laughs> it. And that's, in my view, what we have to go through now, especially criminologically, some of the... Dark if wizards. We will, you know, yeah, we have to get, you know, we have to make it through this, this, you know, uh, dark night of our collective soul, and
1: uh, so excellent well okay so you mentioned that the shape shifting and my see my mind works so so open and people are like oh my god shape shifting they're fucking lying they're blah 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 my mind as soon as you said shape shifting I go is he is he using sort of like the Carlos Castaneda where the shamans would expand like that their, their bubble or whatever their cosmic egg they would expand it to like a singular point and once they did it stretched it they could never come back Uh, But is this something similar where he's operating with his morphic resonance field? Maybe he's operating on that consciously through his intent and thereby rearranging or taking the form of these animals, or is it an actual physical shift, or maybe some of both? That's something I've always been curious about with the shape-shifting, I wouldn't say stories, but the methodology, if you will.
2: Well, I think, you know, it's entering the morphic field uh, is is the answer to that. But then, in fact, if you kind of peel that back, in my view, if, uh, for example, you've entered the morphic field of uh, a creature, a squirrel, and you are in the morphic field of the squirrel, you, ca- you will begin a very gifted or very experienced uh, shaman or shapeshifter would begin to uh, grok or feel the uh, feelings of the, of, the, of the animal. And so, in fact, wow. you, you are having a physical experience at that point. So it depends <laughs> on where you would c- cross... Um, you know, um, uh, thought, emotion, uh, you know, to 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 physical reality, because <laughs> you know, there's different ways of viewing that as well.
1: Well, that's amazing, though. What you just said is because if the person can can resonate and bind with the imprint of the morphic resonance field of the squirrel, and there's a resonant, or harmonic link, then of course it's just like telepathy and other skills. You know what I mean? And I could. Uh, yeah bi-directional link between the two people willing and consenting i say people because the animals is still entity. um then yeah of course that makes sense and then possibly theoretically if one does that enough and connects with animals enough and like you said i like that word grox what it really feels like with the muscle what the muscle load feels like like is it springy loaded up all the time in the back like the feelings in the body of the human body of that animal will then give the muscle memory to that person to be able to, to some extent, I would imagine, acquire some of those abilities. Am I, am I incorrect on that path, or what do you think I, about that? I think
2: that? it follows that if you have a physical experience, and you therefore have a physical you know, basis of training. It, it,
1: exactly, because then from the muscle memory, then you can intend the DNA to adapt accordingly, whether that's, if you're a high-level person, whether that's in the moment, and then it goes back to your original template, or if you want to do that. You know, uh, you know, for a long time, that's that's freaking awesome. Okay, so you've cleared up a few misconceptions for me, which is, you know, they call it remote viewing. So remote viewing is generally umbrella for different intentional skills that have different intents, different methodologies. Some of the main parts of those may be the same, perhaps. You know what I mean? Like getting into the state, getting into the zone, and then intention. Well, I think, yeah, you know, I think obviously, yeah,
2: yeah, I yeah, agreed. I think the definite common denominator is uh, where, where you're going. And all this is happening in the lower astral or lower force. Well. Wow. You know, so all these different methods, which is a little um, bit—it's
1: like a half-half step up from us conscious, from our regular consciousness, right?
2: Yeah, just beyond the point where the guy who you know can you move through the night, through the shadows, and you don't see him.
1: You know, that's right. Just another
2: step beyond that is is the ether and, and so forth, and and uh, it's accessible, you know. And the
1: next yes. first thing that we do is try to take advantage of that, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so yeah, we've got we to get – I say this for everybody. Every guest I get on here is so interesting. We've got to get you on for another show, and Carrie as well. But uh, the, I, I want to tie something in. There's a Grabinikov. You ever heard of Alec Grabinikoff from the 1800s, I believe? He basically was studying – he was an entomologist who was fascinated with uh, the Egyptians' fascination with beetles, particularly the scarab beetle. And what he was finding is that the – there are nanotubular nanotubes inside of cones on the bottom of the scarab wings and other select beetle-type wings. And because of that, they hover and just like the hummingbird you know, can't physically – according to our physics, can't fly, but it does – uh, it, it reaches a harmonic vibration or resonance, and it creates a, a field around it. And there's uh, YouTube videos that go into the science of this and the actual it, – it's just fucking amazing. It really is. But essentially what he was saying is that he, there's no inertia. He could speed around on this little tiny platform that he he basically made a wooden box and put uh, made an array or arranged these in a flat array, these beetle shells, and then hit it with some electricity, static electricity. And then boom, he was off. He said he could go like 987 miles, 1,000 miles up was the range, 987 miles an hour, and he was in this little bubble. You know what I mean? He said sometimes the platform would fail on him, and it would drop straight down out of the air, and he would tunnel right into the ground. But what he was also saying is that when he was moving, people couldn't see him. You know what I mean? Uh, and th- there's actual, if you look on YouTube, they're floating, there's like levitating, at least a magnetic effect or electrostatic effect, at the very least, possibly a, a resonance or a harmonic effect as well. So the fact that when this resonance happens, you can't be really seen easily and you can move quickly in throughout this 3D space, I totally agree with you. When you get into the shape shifting thing, it's the same thing. And when you get into the remote viewing or these altered states, it's also the same thing as well. Which, exp- which explains the by location which is available to you out of the body, instantaneous travel, you think something and it happens, you think somewhere and you go there, uh, and things like that. So I want to let – I know there's probably a lot you want to uh, tell us as well, but I want to let Carrie get in on it and talk a little bit. We are like four minutes past our our show, and I'm going to check with the producers and see if we're like bumping another show up because I want to get some more from you, John. If we can, oh,
2: just remember, you know, you mentioned Beetle, and there's a whole aspect there. Well, you want to start talking about extraterrestrials and CIA mind control? So let me know. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we got to pull that into another show because I've said for years that. Um, okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, we're not going to go there. Carrie, fire away at us. Maybe something like a minute long. Something your your thoughts or points on what we've been talking about, or anything that you wanted to share before the time is up, and then we'll jump back to John and close out the show.
0: Wonderful. Well, I absolutely enjoy hearing your sharings on the power of the heart space. And as a Quantum Heart Center Transformational Specialist, it, it's a pleasure to be able to share a little bit of my perception uh, as far as what I share and uh, as a life coach. And um, the heart is everything. Whenever we tend to live in our minds and in and. and just in our mind space and our thoughts, we—if we're not aware of our thoughts at the time—we can collect to connect to that connected, collective consciousness that you all mentioned earlier. As um, you know, we are living antenna, antennas with the pineal gland having the crystal, and when we're not conscious and aware and master of our own thoughts, uh, we can pick up and tune in to the unconscious field that exists of the collective as well. And so it is all about dropping down into the center of the heart space and living from what I call the stargate of the heart mm. um, consistently because that is where we can connect to the the sacred portals that exist within the cosmos as being multidimensional beings and, and just connecting to more of what is real and our passions and our dreams. And uh, there are many that have had pain or have had trauma, and so it can be a challenge for them to stay in that space for too long because it's too painful, and I come from an Egyptian initiation to where I'm taught to remove them through an Egyptian tradition. They're called miasms, and uh, so that is a part of what I do as well with my field and my profession and the work that I do.
1: Yeah, way to close it out, Carrie. Thank you for that.
0: <laughs> well, the power is in the the start, the Stargate of the heart. You know. Oh, I love portal. how you
1: mentioned. I love how you mentioned Stargate because I tell everybody all the time: if you want to know the closest kind of real thing to the truth about not only what the secret space programs are doing, uh, but the 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 nature of our universe, it's Stargate SG One. There are portals. There's time travel devices. There's Hu- different races and types and genus and species of humans that have been seeded, and human combos that have been seeded by different alien projects, different different things throughout the you know the world. This planet, these this version humans, supposedly over time has been fucked with with their genetics. Like at least twenty two different races have exhibited projects on us, uh, and and you know brought all sorts of things to Earth. Like cannabis is an alien plant, um, and all sorts of things like that. So, so the, for you to mention Stargate is a wonderful thing. I believe that you know, that is exactly what's happening. Uh, and then also you have what we're, John was talking about earlier about raising your vibratory level and you have access to freely roam this common shared space. I like how you use the term common shared space uh, or refer to it that way because that's how I see it. We're all one, but we're not one. You know what I mean? We're like all sharing a one experience, but we are all all individual sparks of ourselves. So everybody's like, oh, we're all the one and blah, blah, blah. Let's all join ourselves together. It's like, I don't want to join with all your fucking karma. You know, you guys have a lot of fucking baggage. I don't feel like taking any of that on. So I'm going to put up a little bubble and then I'll join with you guys. So like being responsible with your energy is something uh, in the shared space is something that I think, it's really important. And a personal responsibility level, not only in the body but outside the body, is something that I'm wanting to learn more about from John and you know possibly his knowledge through Ed Dames and his his work, stuff like that. So, John, thank you for everything there. Thank you, Carrie, for what you're doing. Um, I'll, I'll end this by saying – well, I'm going to give you a chance to plug your stuff, guys. But I will end this by saying um, I think the ultimate goal that all uh, advanced races are telling you is that in order to achieve interstellar travel – in order to achieve higher levels of biologically or organically connected technology that's close to you know life if you will and not artificial you must return to a heart space and then you must ascend and make your vibration uh, faster and your body lighter they call it navigating the call some beings are so advanced they can just turn themselves into a single nano point and navigate throughout the subspace of the universe and pop up anywhere they want so, you know there's a guy that was talking about the uh, how this one race picked him up uh, while he was driving in New Zealand. I don't know if you guys know about this, picked him up while he was driving in New Zealand. And he spent the uh, 10 days on a, a planet inside a whole created artificial dimension. These entities had created a dimension for themselves on this tiny little planet. And we're trying to find a, a way to get back and get back into our timelines and like restore their evolutionary process or tree. Which ties into the greys. It also ties into the fact that most of the little greys being used on this planet are ninety percent of those are uh, engineered life forms being used for black, uh, you know, research projects that are basically faking alien abductions and stuff like that. Uh, they they know whenever a positive abduction, not abduction, but a encounter happens, and oftentimes that person's contacted afterwards. There's a lot of shit we need to get into with you guys, so that I'm just prefacing for the next show. And now that I've said that, I'll turn it back over to John, and then I'll go back to Carrie. You guys just briefly drop or plug your stuff, your books, your website, how people can get hold of you, ask you questions, yada, 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 and then we'll close out the show, and we'll be gone until next week. Okay.
2: Yeah, well, uh, yes, uh, so, I mean, I don't have anything uh, really to, to to plug here. Uh, I, you know, I basically have come to the point uh, with shamanic practice and so forth that, I just don't, um, you know. I've kind of gone past the suicide last resort missions uh, on behalf of people, and you know, which I did for many years, just because of the training, if nothing else, and because I care. Uh, mm-hmm. To a point now where um, there's, there's, you have to get, you know, and it's not that I'm withholding stuff, but it, you know, you have to get through one code, which leads you to another portal. Which, if you find the codex there, you can probably we'll chat about some training. And that's where and that's where that is. So I don't have anything to 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 uh, unabashedly uh, unabashedly uh, plug here.
1: But thank you. Yeah, and you know I say plug. I just mean I want to give you a space, and I do it for all my guests. I want to give you as much of a space as possible to be heard, have your voice heard, and have people find you if they have questions uh, that, that they could then, you know, you can instruct them, okay, you must take these first initiative steps and go through here and realize your own, you know, wisdom before you're going to be on a level that we could even start training. That's fine. I understand that, and that's true with a lot of different things. I experience that with my uh, court knowledge and things like that. You know, people just aren't able to get the results, you know what I mean? And sometimes it's dangerous for them even if they're not there yet. So uh, I'll leave it at that, and I'll say thank you, John, and we we would really love to have you back on soon. Uh, we'll, we'll chat about that, and of course we'll have a little bit more notice for you, <laughs> in This short notice this right, time.
2: That's great. Yeah, it's great talking with you. You're doing a great job, uh, and I appreciate everything you're doing.
1: Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it as well. And, and likewise, you, you seem very solid in, in the energy state that you're in and, and the point in your life, in this life, I should say, where you are, you're right in the right spot. Uh, you know, there's no, no right you, or wrong, but, yeah, excellent. Hopefully that's your you reflection. Yes, sir. <laughs> Perfect. All right, let's jump to Carrie. Carrie, uh, is there anything that you wanted to share, any uh, any place to get a hold of you or anything like that?
0: Yes, I do. I want to share that um, just as a part of my path and what I consider to be my sacred, heart-centered mission in life, and that is um, to voice for the sacred feminine and uh, to voice for life. And if anyone is seeking to work with someone who is deeply feeling and compassionate and uh, who knows what it's like to live through trauma or pain, that I'm available for that. I'm also available to speak to women's groups and uh, groups for children. And uh, anybody who wishes to connect, and I can be emailed at I am simply Carrie, K E R R I E at Gmail, or uh, my YouTube channel is She That Exists Her Story Channel. And I'm voicing for women who've not been able to have a voice, or children out of fear. And that's the work that I do, and what I'm here for
1: we're glad you do it. Somebody's got to do it.
0: (laughs) I know. It's like I either knew that I was going to have to uh, just come into this knowing, okay, somebody's got to do it. I'm going to do it. I sign up for it. I sign up for it. But I I realized the truth is, is that we're all created for a purpose and a path, and we are created for that purpose and path. And so any challenge that comes our way, we do have it innately within us. To overcome any challenge and as long as we are in our heart space we are driven with sincere sacred purpose for not only ourselves but for the connection that we have to all of life what I have learned is that the universe the you know the mother of all you know that that love that is the fabric that holds our entire universe together will come to our aid because that has been my life experience
1: wonderful thank you for sharing that that's very profound So we have the protector of children and the shaman of the mystery realms on the show here. Thank you, John, Dr. Inbeck, and thank you. Thank you, Carrie. I appreciate it. We'll have you guys back on soon, and until next time, pierce the veil and the truth will reveal itself.
0: And so it is.